Hello, dreamers. That's going to catch on. This episode of Living the Dream is brought to you by AMW Group, Premier Marketing and Entertainment Services. So I'm pretty excited to be teaming up with AMW Group to offer advertising and marketing expertise um, in a bunch of things, music, retail, all types of media for any artist. Are you a musician? Because if you are, you have to tell me. AMW. That's not A-N-W. Not the, uh, not the burger shop. AMW has the right tools to help you build your music career one step at a time. Get your song to the audience it deserves with their Spotify, Spotify playlist. All right, let me try that again. Get your song to the audience it deserves with their Spotify playlist promotion service. Is this a good ad voice? Yeah, okay. Um, Work with their experts to get your music heard. They can help you take the first step towards becoming a successful artist. With them, you have the opportunity to take your music to the next level. They've got the knowledge and the expertise to get your music in front of the right audience. They even offer the ability to advertise in Times Square. That's New York City. I feel like nobody's looking at Times Square when they're there. Especially not ads. Lights, maybe. Giant M&Ms. What else is there? Anyways. Yeah, so check out all their services and get a special 10% discount by visiting bit.ly slash livinthedream10 living with no g bit.ly slash l-i-v-i-n the dream 10 use coupon code a-m-w-10 that's alpha mike whiskey one zero all right so my guest today is the founder of the area 506 festival which takes place from august 2nd to the 4th this year that's 2019 in case you're listening to this next year or year after any year that's not 2019 I guess even in the past if you're listening to this in 2018 somehow it's not the right dates and that takes place in St. John New Brunswick and he's also the Senior Vice President of Marketing and Communications at Organogram which is a leading Canadian licensed producer of high quality medical and recreational cannabis if you're into that sort of thing Uh, we recorded this podcast outside while having a couple drinks on the patio, joined by motorcycles, seagulls, and know, a waitress, I think, at some point. I really enjoyed this conversation, so let's get right into it. Please give it up for Ray Gracewood. Dream. 
so yeah the VIP what does that include so um, so this is the second year that we've done VIP and there's kind of two VIP areas this year so one uh, sort of gets you preferred stage front viewing area okay. uh, as well as uh, your own bathroom your own bar um, and then this year we've got like an elevated VIP area as well which is like a patio type deck on top of shipping containers which you know when you put that against the location of the festival this year right on the water I think it's going to give a pretty cool 360 view not just to the stage itself but to the um, uh, like out across the waterfront and the whole the whole bit so yeah. so it's um, I think it's going to be well worth it and, and we we use it as much as anything as a, as a thank you to our sponsors so you know the reality for us is that the container village piece especially doesn't happen without you know an entire network of companies coming together to like everything from the tow trucks to the people that own the containers to the port of st john to um you know the logistic companies that work the port they all uh, volunteer their time to move all the containers over set them up stack them up do the whole thing so um you know our sponsorship kind of benefits is a huge kind of piece of you know, doing whatever we can to kind of say thank you, you know. So um, so providing that kind of unique experience. We sell them as VIP tickets, but for us, it's just as important to kind of give our, our sponsors a really cool kind of experience and special way to see the show. Yeah, that's cool. And there's there's other stuff with the containers too. you got a Moosehead container bar. Is that that's new this year or...? Yeah, we've, um, like, every, every year, uh, well... First off, the containers have been like a real unique part of the festival right. and uh, kind of give the backdrop for the whole thing here. We're at Port City, um, so we do this right on the waterfront. It just adds a really cool, gritty sort of aesthetic that I think reflects St. John in a lot of ways too. Yeah. Um, so every year we look for some kind of interesting way of um, partnering up with somebody who's doing something cool with containers or we just kind of welcome that. So a couple years ago, we did uh, what we called the Cargo Texture Program with Discover St. John. So they went out and they found, I think, six different people to, like, refab and prefab, like, different containers to do cool shit. Like yeah. this Periscope thing and this other kind of, like, um, um, like garden-type, you know, all these kind of cool things. Yeah. So, so that was, like, wow, you know, just really right. great use of containers. And this year we found out that um, apparently we were one of the insights that the Moosehead marketing team kind of took away from previous years to say, wouldn't that be cool if, you know? So they, they, they created this container, I think, in the brewery from the video. I don't even know. <laughs> uh, but it's fully functional. It's got like eight taps in it. So I think they're going to plan to bring it around um, throughout the summer. And 506 is going to be one of the dates. So we're kind of looking forward to that too. So it's going to be mobile. Like they're going to actually... It's not just 506 specific. Like it's almost like a food truck. But yeah, like they got a truck. whole series of events. Yeah, so cool. I um and and I only know this because in my in my prior life I used to work at Moose. I was there for about 12 years in the marketing department. So yeah. um, events would be a big part of kind of like uh, you know the activity over the course of the summer. And and they're such an amazing company that sponsors all these like local events and stuff. So when you've got something like that that you can bring from event to event to event, it gives you like some consistency. It's functional. So it adds to the events that you're sponsoring, and I think for them, they probably look at it as a something that they can bring to the table that maybe other companies can't. You know, so I think that was the intention from the get-go. Was um, you know maybe the idea came from 506, but the plan was to kind of bring it around and get as much use out of it as possible. And yeah. you know, nice thing about a container is you throw it on the back of a flatbed truck and you're off. You know, so yeah, true. it's portable. That's a cool idea, and it's cool like 
type of partnership and link to you guys, I guess, kind yeah. of, too. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Well, it's one of those things where I think when you when you get, like, so I'm a, I'm a marketing geek. That's kind of my, that's my real world life. Um, and I love the... Um, I love the uniqueness of Area 506. Like, I love how the containers kind of create a certain aesthetic. I love how it, you know, sort of is, is my interpretation of the city, you know, in terms yeah. of just being kind of gritty but still kind of cool. Real industrial. Industrial, yeah. you know. So um, I, th- I think the whole thing makes sense so that when you see other companies that are, like, doing stuff to complement that or to build on it or to add to the experience, like, to me, like, that's a big win, not just that they get what I'm trying to do what we're trying to do but also um, you know that they see value and and, yeah. and, and kind of like putting some time and effort into creating something that uh, they didn't have to otherwise but they think it's going to sort of build on the overall experience and um, it's kind of worked out so far you know yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah what year is this for 506 so this would be this would be the fourth year so we started area 506 um, in 2016 was the first year um it actually started, uh, I'm going to say the ideation phase started September of 2015. So a small group of us came away from Harvest Jazz and Blues in Fredericton. Um, I love Harvest Jazz and Blues. It's one of my favorite kind of weeks. And Absolutely, just with yeah. this energy of like, it just lights the city on fire, you know? And like Fredericton is just like the ultimate place, right? Yeah. Um, so walking away from that, and I was like, what, you know, why can't we just get our act together and do something similar, you know? Like St. John probably hasn't had like a big murky event in however long, like Festival by the Sea or something. So like there's an opportunity here. And I was at Moosehead at the time. So, um, you know, I like my life kind of revolved around occasions and, and there was never anything massive planned for the New Brunswick day-long weekend, right? So um, to me, it sort of triggered this thing where, like, what do we not have enough pride in our province to, like, giddy up and do something? Um, And the reality was is that there wasn't a whole lot of kind of, like, preset big events on that weekend, right? And then further to that, it's statistically the best weather weekend in the province the whole summer. So I was like, this is a no-brainer. Like, there's total white space here, right? Yeah. So, um, So I figured, okay, Area 506, we came up with the name it was actually I think it was maybe even my wife um, and uh, figured that we'd focus on music culture goods and those would be the three so it's stuff that's made in the province it's like how diverse New Brunswick is like culturally you know like whether it's francophone communities the the Brayon or the Acadians or whatever whether it's you know um, indigenous groups First Nations you know and just trying to bring like a whole um you know kind of different group of people together and then like music has always been sort of my thing you know like my passion so um having some kind of a stage where yeah you know our focus will be on new brunswick um new brunswick based acts but also we're gonna you know show the city of st john the province of new brunswick to some acts that might not otherwise come here you know um so so yeah that was sort of like the insight that started it was always a a non-profit sort of volunteer run thing still is to this day and I think the team has grown and the size and the scale of the whole thing has like just gotten totally out of control so <laughs> I think I've probably been close to divorce maybe 10 20 <laughs> times along the way um, but it's become like a labor of love and frankly I think the, the city's kind of like and the province has really responded well to it and the people that go like you know it's thousands of smiles every weekend right so yeah. um, so it's turned into like a pretty cool and unique thing for the city and um, I think that's sort of what's kept us motivated kept us going 
is the new spot bigger than the last? Like, does that give you more more room um, to? By by size, it's actually smaller. So, um, but I'll tell you, we, we were on Long Wharf, so the Port of St. John was a huge partner of ours. Um, it still is today, um, and and they own the land at Long Wharf, so that's where it has been, you know, for the first three years. So this year we moved. Uh, a little bit more central to a piece of land that's owned by the city of St. John uh, where the Coast Guard used to be so it's right on the waterfront of St. John and it's right in the nexus of like the kind of pub and restaurant area within walking distance of everything so it's central so that so that the location is great for that that way and actually funny story so I think two months ago when they agreed that we would sort of work out a plan to use this space there was a massive brick building and a small like garage and all kinds of stuff like on this land and there was no way that I figured that it would get torn down and redone and smoothed out in, in enough time. I have never seen a building come down faster and like this this it's crew like is like overnight it's for real like it, yeah. and and like I walk around over there now and the thing is like paved it's nicer than my driveway you know like it's like gorgeous so uh, it couldn't have worked out better um, to answer your question it's it is smaller so I think our footprint on Long Wharf would have been about 200,000 square feet so this is about 135,000 square feet so it's um, it's significantly smaller but I always felt like it could be a little bit more intimate past years. So there was areas that were, you know, comfortable, but there was a lot of kind of open, wide open space, which, you know, was us kind of working it out and people flow and kind of how do people interact with the vendors and all that kind of stuff. So it takes us a little time to get it, but I think this year it's going to be physically smaller, but if we've got, um, you know, a reasonable increase in the number of people, I think it'll actually be um, a better experience. Yeah. Yeah. So, for the bands, is that is it your that's your style of music? Are you booking to personal taste? Yeah. So if I can be honest, <laughs> um, so you like can. yeah, every every year I uh, I always have at least one act who is like they like within the committee they just kind of joke that it's like my throwaway act. Yeah. So it's the band that I probably wouldn't book otherwise if it just came down to other factors, but like. I'm doing this right so this is a band that I want to see and whatever um, so at the end of the day there's always a little bit of that like um, I work I work with kind of like a very small team frankly on the programming side where you know there's a lot more to it than people would think like sometimes it's just like uh, well why don't you just go out and get whatever band right. and the reality is is like obviously money can, comes into play uh, whether or not they're going to be in the area um, you know and then for us you know just because we want to be reflective of the whole province um, especially call it like the undercard um, which would be sort of like the, the the local bands that we'd love to give a shot and we'd love to see on our stage like we try to spread that out around the province so that it's sort of there's representation from all over and then right. you know like further to the fact around like cultural diversity we try to kind of like look for bands that um you know might bring a bit of a different flavor whether it's yeah. musically or, or what have you so um so we try to mix it up as much as we can but yeah at the end of the day um i i think we found a pretty good formula for the programming where you know there's certain bands that do really really well in saint john and um and I love this idea of bringing people in for one band, but they walk away talking about another one. Yeah. Excuse me. We've had that before where, um, you know, first year, July Talk would have been the perfect example. So nobody would have bought a ticket for July Talk in 2016. And they killed it. Everybody walked away. They killed it. Everybody yeah. walked away screaming about July Talk. And to this day, I think, like, it's, like, one of their 
best markets or something, you know, yeah. like, um, so, and I'd say like, um, Matt Mays would be another one. So two years ago, he just like laid it out there, killed it. And, you know, I wasn't expecting that great a show, but like, that's one of my like biggest memories. Yeah. Um, so you never quite know, you know, like, like I, I bring in the, uh, the big sugars and the big wrecks, Matt, Matt Good this year, you know, like who have been here a lot of times before they've built up equity they've done their time so they've got a great fan base so those are the kind of bands that are really likely to to do really well but at the other at the end of the day you know like one of my favorite bands interpol so that's who's headlining this year um and i've seen them a few different times they've never been uh east of montreal right no. so this is the first time in the maritime so i'm kind of stoked about that and i hope to god that um you know, people are going to walk away saying, like, where have they insane. been all my life? That yeah. was insane, you know? So, so I think that that's going to be cool. So it's, it's about mix and it's about, um, you know, creating like an element of trust with people. So, you know, I think the interesting thing that I found is that people might uh, recognize a few people, a few bands on the bill. Um, but if, and the Harvest has done this amazingly well, if you can get people sort of hooked on maybe one, two, three, but they know that they're going to walk away talking about five, seven, eight, right. then all of a sudden you've got trust. And I think people would probably buy tickets to Harvest before they even come on sale, just because they know they that do. they do. Yeah, right. It's, They're going to do such known. a great job, right? It's known they do. They that. do do that, right? Yeah. So you know, I think that that's just a great example of like creating trust around not just the programming, but the the atmosphere, the environment, and the whole kind of like the, the whole experience. You know, once it's packaged up. Yeah. Yeah, like you become. You tell them what they want to hear. Like, yeah, if you, for sure. If you went to somebody and said, put together a lineup for a festival, they might not know 10, 15, 20, 30 bands. Right. But they'll know two or three. And then for you to say, well, I know those two or three, but I also know 20 that are in the same same spectrum. Exactly. And you're going to like them. Yeah. Just come and see. Trust me. Yeah. yeah like yeah, you said. Sure. Yeah. And, and sometimes, too, um, you know, not all bands that are like amazing live bands translate well in a like pre-recorded environment right Most so probably yeah right so you yeah. might you might go to see somebody who's lights out but you'd never really care to hear them on the radio right and and there's not a whole lot of ways to experience those those type of bands unless you go to see them and because the opportunities are so limited relatively in the maritimes it's uh, it just makes those opportunities like even more special you know yeah. like to be able to bring those bands in because then people can kind of truly have their minds blown just because, you know. Yeah. A lot of people don't have time to look up every band on a 
going to line up either. You and know there's, what I mean? there's so much, right? Like, you know, like you think about Spotify, streaming services in general, whatever. there's just so much, right? It becomes nauseating. So it's like, it's almost like a feat to try to like figure out, you know, like what you're going to listen to or figure out a playlist or whatever, because yeah. there's, there's so much out there. And, uh, and sometimes like, I think people love to be curated to, I think it's why like people love radio still. Like I'm a digital radio fan because I kind of just want to be like catered to, yeah. you know, like give me a genre that I can trust and like feed it to me, you yeah. know? And I think a lot of people are that same way. And probably even when they look at like bills for lineups mm-hmm. is like, yeah, I'm comfortable. I sort of get a feel for what the vibe of the, you know, the, yeah. the bands are. And like, that's enough for me. Yeah. yeah. Well, someone like Interpol too, they've been around for so long and they've touched so many genres and like they can be very ambient or they can be very indie or showgaze. You know, yep. you know what I mean? Like they're kind of all over the board. Even if you wanted to look them up to see what you're getting into, you still have no idea what their live show is going to be like. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And, and uh, yeah, I, I think they're a great example of, like, um, like a uh, like an atmosphere band, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they create an atmosphere. Big time. Ir, you know, irregardless of the music. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that people that show up to see them are going to be pretty um, pretty impressed, pretty happy. Um, and the nice thing, too, is that it's, you know, it's a relatively approachable music style. So... Uh, I think even people that, you know, maybe bought the ticket for Tokyo Police Club or somebody else on the bill that day, um, you know, they're going to walk away pretty happy. Yeah. So, yeah. You got Winter Sleep coming back. Yeah. So Winter Sleep played our first year, which was, uh, uh, it was a late addition to the lineup, actually. Um, and uh, they crushed it. And I'm a big fan of theirs. And um, so we figured, like, we're doing a third, a third day this year. Yeah. So it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And... And we wanted to sort of have a bit of a maritime kickoff, you know, on the Friday. Uh, so that's why we chose Winter Sleep and Plaskett. And I think that the one-two punch of, of both of them to start things off, I think, is going to be on the right foot and kind yeah. of get the whole thing started on a good vibe. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think Winter Sleep's one of those bands that are incredibly underrated and they've got so much depth, you know. So yeah, so pretty stoked to bring them back. They're another band that I find more recently are starting to go back to their roots a little bit maybe like with their newest single they almost get real trancy jammy again like they kind of yeah. used to like nerves normal breeze normal style for sure songs like they where they kind of lull you into a trance yeah and it, i really like the direction they're going so i was excited to see that they're playing again like yeah for sure this year. and you know what I'll, it's interesting you say that because i'm interested to see if their live show has kind of like gone back to that because they've been so kind of like straight up rocky yeah. for a long time which i like too frankly oh, so for sure uh but i'm, I'm kind of stoked to see what the balance between the new stuff the old stuff and the really old stuff is yeah. uh because yeah that's a good point and i hadn't really thought about it that way but but yeah they're gonna put on a good show regardless yeah they yeah. always do yeah they're always a lot of fun
bands like that, do you ever try to maybe... They have post data too, right? Do yeah. you ever try to do the double booking or bring votes? Um, not strategically, and, and um, from what I've found to this point, they're generally not a fan of it. Okay. Um, only because they're kind of supporting something specifically, you know? So, like, if they're on about the new Winter Sleep album and, like, post data's kind of taking a break for now, then I think they'd generally be pretty out with that. Um, now, truthfully, I went after... Joel's people to see if you do like a thrush hermit warm up kind yeah, of situation. That would have been awesome. Been awesome. Um, <laughs> but that was uh, that was a no go. I guess they're not even planning to to warm up until like way after. So um, so yeah. So that 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 didn't work. Um, but there's other kind of things where you know people are notorious to play together. So maybe put them on the same bill and kind of hope that something sparks. You know, yeah. in the green room or whatever. A little collaboration on stage yeah, for sure. And that's something that. Um, you know, we're we're like trying to over deliver on the whole green room area. So um, we've got a partnership with a local company to kind of like deck out um, a green room, like with couches and all this kind of stuff, to c- kind of create an environment that they're going to want to hang out in instead of like RVs. Yeah. Um, and like you never kind of know what turns out. You know, is like somebody's just riffing on how fun it was to do some random cover somewhere and then somebody else says like they did the same cover and next thing you know you got three people joining three other people on the stage you know so um so we'll kind of see what kind of organically comes of that um but you know to this point it's never been anything that i've written into a contract or anything like that it's just you kind of keep your fingers crossed for a little bit of magic and you know see what might happen those are the most memorable memorable moments of festivals because yeah it happens a lot and they love to do it and the fans love it and then that becomes the headline and then that's it just you know what these whole this whole thing is talk about marketing i mean well I, it's <laughs> all about surprise and delight right yeah, and i exactly. think that people they don't buy tickets to see bands anymore when it comes to festivals they they buy tickets to experiences and a big part of that is like not knowing what the experience is going to turn into and you know who's going to show up and when and how and like for us like one of the coolest things that I love, we, we do this uh, partnership with Atlantic Cirque. So it's a company, I think, out of Moncton, somewhere here in New Brunswick. But they do amazing like performance art. So it's the girls and the stilts and the fire breathers and all this stuff. And they come in and, like, I love seeing that stuff walking around the crowd, you know. And the yeah. crowd loves it, too, because it's just one of those neat kind of things. We did, like, this hammock set up last year. And it's just a throwaway experience that... Yeah, like, it just make it just builds on the whole thing. Everything, yeah. You know, so yeah, I think I think festivals, whether it's the music or sort of just like the supporting entertainment factor, it's just it's all about um, having a few tricks up your sleeve, and also just being open to letting things kind of like roll with the punches a little bit and yeah. create an environment where you know allows a bit of a mixing pot, so that if that you know it's like a petri dish, you know, you just get it started a little bit and then hope for the best. You know? It'll just things will grow out of itself yeah 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 organically yeah right yeah of course <laughs> um so why three days truthfully um it's because we were already set up so yeah. yeah so we you know we, we do all of our setup and i had a conversation a frank conversation last year with some of the tech people after the event last year and just kind of just trying to get some feedback and they'd be people that would be doing festivals all over the place right and, uh, and he's like, yeah, I'll tell you what, ever since year one, I never understood. Like, we're here. We set up all day, like, you know, Thursday into Friday, and we'd be ready to go. And, like, you're doing something somewhere else. Like, what is up with that? And I started thinking about it, and I'm like, 
you know what? I don't know what's up with that. So, uh, so yeah, so the third night is essentially allows me to extend the programming a little bit. So bring in some more acts. Uh, I think it's a great sign that the festival is growing, uh, which I think is important. Um, and the reality is, is that uh, to a certain extent, it's a little bit of kind of just trying something new, you know, like the all ages thing. It's something new. Yep. Um, so, you know, we've got a few different things that we're going to test out and see how they work. Um, but for the most part, you know, if we end up doing six new things and we end up doing three of them next year, great. We'll yeah, figure out another three, things. whatever, three new things. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, the kid thing was something we got a lot of feedback on. Just people you know essentially wanted to bring their kids and that never really resonated for me so um so i've got four kids and i got three young kids and uh it was never really an issue but i do like taking my kids out to like um you know cool stuff and whatever but i never thought it was much of a hindrance because i also like leaving the kids at home and just going out for you know like an adult good time right? that's right um but then i was thinking about it in a different way and it was i don't know maybe six eight months ago And I got into this conversation with somebody around just like out migration of people from New Brunswick and population decline and, you know, just people just graduate from high school and they're out, you know, they're gone, they go away to school and they never come back. And like, I've got family, close friends, like they're all over the place, but very few of them decided to stick around here. And I'm notoriously stubborn about these things. So, um, so I started thinking about it like, okay, why would a 17-year-old kid leave after high school and never come back? It's because their life is boring up until that point, right? So I'm not allowing... So I was thinking about like kids that are like 8, 9, 10, 11 years old or whatever. I wasn't thinking about 15, 16, 17, 18, True. right? Because those are the kids that are like... Underage but still want to do stuff. Right, you know, and, yeah. and they're, but they're framing up what they're going to do with the rest of their life too, right? And yeah. they're getting experiences and they're under... like their city is starting to create an identity for them, right? So if you lock them out to do these cool experiences and, you know, don't allow them to kind of go out when their parents maybe are going out having a good time, like what kind of signal are you sending for to, to encourage them maybe to go to school here or at least come back after school, you know, to yeah. say like, yeah, there's lots of great stuff happening around the city. Summers are amazing. You've got like the Moonlight Bazaar and you've got Area 506 and you've got like A, B, C, D. Like every weekend there's something to do. But if the kids don't know that, if they're not exposed to it, then there's no incentive for them to come back. But for what it's worth, the whole kid thing is actually like, like I'm gonna I'm gonna give it our best to see to make it a success. Yep. And I do hope that the 15, 16, 17, 18 year olds show up. It's also an expensive ticket, so you know I I I don't know if we've got that fully sorted out right now. But I'm hoping that you know. I'm hoping that they turn out, and I'm hoping that it kind of turns into something because I do. I think that the New Brunswick's got a pretty big issue with you know population decline and, and young people. You know, yeah, population's getting way too old, way too fast. We're just doing different color bracelets and then like black X's and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just full on bracelets and like there's a there's a separate um, area for all ages. So at like we'll call it dry, right? So. Um, so basically, if you're underage or you just kind of prefer to be on that side and not be dealing with people pounding beers, then... Have you, has there ever been any thought, now that weed is legal, are you able to get weed licensed inside of a an event like that? Are you able to set up any smoking sections for cannabis 
anything like that? Yeah. So the rules, and I only, I only know this because my real my real job is at Organic Gram in right. Moncton. So, um, so I'm pretty well versed in the uh, marketing do's and don'ts. Um, but uh, it's pretty much treated the same as smoking tobacco, right? Okay. So it's a licensed and controlled. Um, product just like tobacco is so in terms of from a consumption perspective it pretty much is is treated that same way so um, no transactional opportunity right now although it's something that I've tried to do Um, so a few weeks ago there was a conference here in St. John where Cannabis NB actually set up a bit of a pop-up shop uh, that I thought was interesting it made me think like geez if you can do it there can you do it you know somewhere else um, yeah. so it's still like I'm still having the conversations although I'm not getting a, a clear yes yet so uh, but I'll continue to have them just because it would be within their purview to allow something like that to happen um, so we'll kind of like time will tell on that one but in terms of the actual consumption um, you know it's it's basically like if you have a smoking section then you, you keep it as a smoking section and what you choose to smoke there you choose to smoke there so it, that is a lot I'm pretty flex on it to yeah. be you know and and basically like uh, like I said it, we, we would treat it much the same as uh, smoking cigarettes um, and and the reality is is that I just want to create an environment that keeps all that away from kids and as far away from you know like where uh, either the all ages section would be or what have you so yeah. um, like having a place is important just so you don't create this environment where people are just kind of like sneaking away all over the place and whatever so um, so so we do that but yeah that's kind of that's the take to this point you know but I think it'll even get more interesting though as you get further down and uh, you know edibles and vape pens become legalized and it becomes less of a you know, smoking smell, like combustion thing, yeah. uh, becomes a lot more um, kind of discreet and controlled. I think, frankly, the whole thing is going to become a non-issue. Yeah. What is new with the edibles? What's the latest on that? Uh, so edibles come into effect, um, legislation comes into effect mid-October of this year, mm-hmm. and there's a 60-day waiting period for new products. So people will start to see them on the shelf as of mid-December, right? Time for Christmas, yeah. It's December 17th, so you got a week worth of shopping uh, to do. So yeah, people will start to see edible products, uh, infused beverage, uh, concentrates, um, uh, what else, topicals, um, vape pens, kind of like basically almost most of the products that you'd be able to find in the illicit market right now. So it allows the legal market to actually truly be competitive. So um, so I think everybody in my industry anyway is looking forward to, to that whole piece of the business coming online. How does that affect, uh, let's say, like the festivals, that, like music side of things? Does it? Uh, like programming, you mean? Yeah, pr- programming, um, setup, uh, vendors... Yeah, um, you know what? No, and here's 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 how I'd sort of like. Here's what I'd go back to is that um, Canada uh, legalized cannabis, but they didn't invent it, right. right? So it's always been a thing, and the reality is is that like the music that was made on cannabis today in the last eight months is no different than the music that would have been made on cannabis or like, you know, how, how it would have interacted with that whole industry, whether it's like from a um, recording perspective or a live performance perspective or what have you, I don't think it's really had any kind of effect. I mean, um, 
you know, I think that it's it's done some it's 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 done good to bring some kind of transparency and discussion in around like public safety, right? So when you think about you know you know for us anyway, we've got all these boom trucks and all these things, kind of like all and whether somebody's on you know drinking, somebody's on cannabis, somebody's overtired, somebody's whatever. It's just one more thing that's kind of brought to light a little bit more of that discussion. Um, but I mean, honestly, I, I don't I don't think when it comes to like influence on the arts, I don't think it's really done a whole lot. No. And then the reality is, is the marketing and event sponsorship guidelines are so tight that that also really hasn't had much of an effect in terms of, you know, on-premise consumption or, you know, any, anything like that, okay. really. Yeah, doing great. Do you have another I'm good. Thank you. Good. Thanks. Um, um, so, like, do you think, like, we got events and you got shooter girls running around and stuff. Do you think it'll ever get to that point where there's joint samples? girls? Yeah, sample samples? girls running around? Um, uh, that's a good question. I, uh, so, I mean, there's a lot of discussion around, you know, like, I think in Ontario they have their first legal patio, you know, like a patio, yep. you know. Um, where, where like on-site consumption is starting to become, if it's not like a full-on legal environment, there's a lot of discussion in and around it. Like what, what's the path to kind of get there? Um, so, so yeah, I, I think, I think down the road you'll get to a point where, um, it'll become a little bit more normalized in terms of how you purchase and point of purchase and, and like all of that kind of thing. You know, I think the truth is, is that, um, a conservative approach makes a lot of sense, you know, like focus on public safety, walk before you run, you know, it's a marathon, not a race, like all this stuff where, you know, we want to sort of get the fundamentals down and then kind of figure out how to go from there. So uh, you think about like old, you know, like people in the 50s walking around with like cigarette trays and the whole sitch, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe. I think it'd be pretty cool, frankly. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think the regulations are going to have to loosen up a little bit so it'll take some time and you say like sponsors affect that too because they want your event to be more clean is that how that works like would sponsors not be willing to allow that or like do you know do you know what i'm saying yeah so like do you have a tough time securing sponsors if you were to sort of like say support or encourage or allow right yeah um i haven't run into that personally uh, it's not even something, frankly, that's come up within my discussions with sponsors. So I don't think it's at that level yet. But I think part of that has to do with, um, you know, cannabis sponsorships are, you know, technically offside. And, you know, um, it, it's, it's a very sort of tricky, tricky sort of thing to sort of manage through. So it hasn't become much of an issue for companies that might be a little bit more either conservative or not kind of sure yet how yeah. to navigate through that or whatever. Um, so yeah, it hasn't it hasn't become a thing. But I think that if the regulations were to um, get a little bit more lax, then that might be a, a different story. Because if you have a say a cannabis company who's a lead sponsor of an event, for example, um, you might have a tough time securing sponsors for. Or like say if the event is cannabis themed, yeah, then there's going to be you know certain companies in certain industries that it's just going to be a non-starter right so yeah. so i think once that becomes more of a predominant sponsor opportunity for people um then yeah they're probably gonna to have to be a little bit more crafty and 
charge me other companies. of water beautiful and elegant as the whole old ripple of the ripple surrounded his soul and if only she could hold him except he floats below the skies all oh, those hidden memories of him staring in those eyes oh no she'd just rather stay by So like moving forward, talk about growth. Do you ever look at maybe adding another stage or doing the new site and the old site and setting up like a full festival city? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we've we thought I've actually haven't thought of that. Um, that's a cool idea. Uh, we've we thought about a, di- a lot of different avenues. I think like right now we're uh, volunteer run, you know, nonprofit. Um, so I think after this year is probably going to be a good time for us to um, kind of take a step back and and see what it's turned into, both from like a, a business perspective or a cultural perspective. Like, could we afford to hire? A person or two people or whatever and and start to look at um, you know that as a starting point just in terms of resourcing and budget and then from there I think we start to make decisions around how big we want it to be and whether that's another site on the same weekend whether you know we go from one weekend a year to two weekends a year to um, you know any number of kind of different avenues so you know I think this year will be our fourth year and uh, you know to this point you know, knock on wood, we've 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 had it. We've had a really good run and a lot of success. Uh, but I think it's also because of like how we've approached it, which is basically we're all scared shitless to lose any money and to take too much of a risk. So and because we just kind of have, you know, nothing to fall back on, right? There's no yeah. like angel investors. There's no kind of corporate backing. Right. So so fest. right? Yeah, forget <laughs> it. Um, so we. Um, so the thinking has always been, you know, kind of shoestring, but also, you know, if we want to do this, can we can we figure out somebody who might also benefit from it? And does that turn into a sponsorship opportunity or whatever, right? So, so you know, it's turned into a massive budget, which keeps me up at night, frankly, but um, not to the point where, you know, it's like unavoidable to turn it into a business, you know? Yeah. So we're not, we're not quite there yet, um, but, you know, we'll consider sort of where we stand after this year and if we have another great year then we'll be feeling one way and if we don't have a great year and ends up piss pouring rain for all we uh, the whole weekend then maybe yeah you know we're feeling a whole lot different right so 
Time will tell. That's true. Yeah. We've had pretty good luck with the weather. It's so been far. great. Like you said, it's statistically the best weather, right? Yeah, so. it's been it's been great. I mean, I wouldn't have complaints about any of the years. There was sort of maybe f- literally five minutes of a downpour last year, uh, which was amazing and cool and made <laughs> for like great photos yeah. and whatever. Um, and I think the year before we had like maybe a little bit of rain early in the day, but for the most part, like we've been super super lucky. So no complaints. But again knock on wood like I'm waiting for my uh, my luck to run out on that one so we'll see but yeah. that's like the re- the biggest issue with any of these events in the Maritimes is people waiting till the last minute right so because of the venue there's no certain sense of urgency there's no sort of indication that it's going to sell out so everybody will wait literally everybody will wait until like the last week to buy tickets which yeah. not only gives me like way more gray hair in my beard and like no <laughs> sleep at night uh, but also like makes weather be the big deterrent right so if people haven't made that mental commitment that that's what they're going to do or they're kind of on the fence they would see the weather as being like oh well maybe i'll wait until tomorrow maybe yeah right that kind of thing right and i think the reality is is that if people want festivals like area 506 or different events to um to stick around and be successful and be part of the fabric you need to support them rain or shine you know like you got to make the commitment to say there's something cool here that, you know, is way better than going camping in Charlottetown or, you know, going to, you know, New England or right. Nova Scotia or whatever. And um, put your shoulders back, you know, and take some pride in kind of what people are coming here yeah. for, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think one thing people don't understand is that pre-sale tickets aren't just a cheap way to, for you to get to the festival. It actually helps set the festival up it's Help. capital yeah, yeah, yeah it's capital to book yeah. bands and to, to get everything organized and to yeah. lock in vendors lock in everything oh for sure yeah no this is a reason why i do pre-early bird yeah you know it's I like mean, uh, that's a big part of it yeah for sure and and it's that those are the realities right just in terms of cash flow and and like how that whole piece of the business works um yeah it's it's important for a lot of reasons but i do i also think that there is a like a sense of commitment that people that run events appreciate so it's like the sense of knowing like regardless people are going to come out and support this right and i know that because i see the numbers right and and i do i think that that's important that um people sort of understand that because it does make a big difference and it creates confidence and gives people like me frankly like the sense that uh what we're doing is going in the right direction and people are sort of as committed to it as as what we are you know so are there any bands that you're hoping for in the future like who who's your favorite band like my favorite band personally um the national oh well that would be insane yeah 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 so i i went to i've seen them four or five times now the last time i saw them was uh this super cool show at the roy thompson hall in toronto so they did like this movie that they did along like in parallel with their latest record and then they played the record after and it was just like it was like a i don't know 300 person something whatever blew my mind um i've seen them sort of in festival environments before and after last year i was like that's the band that's who we're doing that's next who's year. coming that's who's coming that's, <laughs> we're gonna make it happen so, and yeah. they wouldn't even get back to us no like, like not even a sniff right like they would like not even probably in the ballpark yeah so um but Alas, like I will keep it in my uh, in my scope. Probably yeah. send you know another offer after this Always. year. We'll see. Um, but they would be kind of right up there. Some of the other acts that I I would love to see would be, um, you know, I don't know, I don't know. It's tough to say. But uh, 
like I'd love to get to a point where like we could book like a Weezer you yeah. know like like a cool. almost kind of timeless rock band that everybody's going to kind of know and love and sing along to but that are still relevant right they have the nostalgia yeah. factor and still but doing they're fun still stuff. putting out right? albums yeah, yeah 100% um, who else I, I went after Group Love this year yeah they'd be another one that uh, I think is just like a really cool vibe and um, would be something that people of St. John might not otherwise get to see yeah um so yeah, I've I've got a wish list. I want to hold most of it close to my chest, just because you know, like you always want it to be a bit of a surprise. But um, I don't know. My only my only thinking is that I'd love for the top, like the top six, is kind of like you know, like the top three of each night. Yep. Is how I've kind of always looked at it to get better and better every year. So, and I think this year is probably all in all uh, as strong as we've ever had, uh, which is good. Um, and and the reality is is that if if the proportion of people that show up increases, then I'll keep kind of going in that direction, because at the end of the day, the whole thing is kind of net neutral, right? So as long as I can um, relatively break even or be in a good place, then you know I'd rather bring in Interpol than you know I'm not going to slag any right. smaller band that I've had in the past, but like you know that's it the biggest band we've ever had. Step. It's a For step. Sure. It's a step, yeah. right? So I think that sort of gives us a signal that we're going in the right direction, which is good. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think we're figuring out the puzzle, you know, just understanding, uh, like, St. John, traditionally blue-collar town, like the different dynamics of um, Halifax, Moncton, Fredericton, Charlottetown, and how we pull from there. Last year, we had people from every province in Canada and 13 states. So it's like um, it's starting to get out there. And I think that understanding the programming in terms of how you bring in people from specific markets starts to play into it because most people will come for the experience, like I said, but you need that, like, I would like to think we're going to get a lot more of an influx from Halifax because of Interpol, for example. Right. And starting to understand how, um, you know, bigger acts can start to pull things in. And for us, too, the, the whole like tourism and hospitality piece is an important play for us so just uh, discover st john's been a partner since day one and their job is putting heads in beds in the hotels so if i can kind of show them that last year i think 55 percent of our entire um, the people that bought tickets were outside of the um, you know 71 percent were outside of the greater st john area which is like to me a massive number and most of those people are going to be in hotels right so that starts to make me think okay we're putting something together that people are willing to travel for and that's uh that's a pretty cool thing yeah definitely yeah so is there anything anything that you hope to achieve next like is there anything you said you got six things this year and hopefully three stick is there anything you're looking forward to for next year maybe or any ideas you're tossing in terms of features yeah um well like on a macro level, like I want to see it grow. Um, uh, like a Ferris wheel. Well, we, we tried for a Ferris wheel. <laughs> did you this year? Yeah, we did. Um, it was one I've that been I saw in Montreal. With a Ferris wheel. Yeah, it's a lot of fun to watch a show from a Ferris wheel. Yeah, it's for a sure. Cool right? Little like you know, what super I mean? amazing. Yeah. And uh, I was in Montreal at like a downtown festival, and they had one. And I actually tried to call them to see if it was something that they, like the company that rented them or whatever but they're booked up way in advance. So um, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed okay. on that one. Might, might, might turn into a thing, because I do. I think it just, and the visuals, like, makes for a great photo, right? For sure. Um, but, 
I'm just trying to think specifically if there were any things that I almost did but didn't. You know what? I'm not even, I'm so kind of like uh, at 150% right now on this okay, year yeah. that I haven't uh, started to stress out yet on next year. <laughs> but yeah, no, like generally I just, I, my hope is that it gets bigger and more interesting and it, de- it doesn't become stale, yeah. you know, like just if, if there are three or four new things or whatever that people kind of walk away saying like I didn't expect that, then that's, that's, that's all, that's all we kind of can hope for. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Is that cool? Yeah. That was yeah. awesome. Thanks for doing it, man. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, no, my pleasure. Superhuman I wanna be a superhuman